chapter thirty four of ardath by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty four rewards of fame an habitual resident in london who is gifted with a keen faculty of hearing and observation will soon learn to know instinctively the various characteristics of the people who call upon him by the particular manner in which each one handles his door-bell or knocker he will recognize the timid from the bold the modest from the arrogant the meditative thinker from the bustling man of fashion the familiar friend from the formal acquaintance every individual's method of announcing his or her arrival to the household is distinctly different and villiers who studied a little of everything had not failed to take note of the curiously diversified degrees of single and double rapping by means of which his visitors sought admittance to his abode in fact he rather prided himself on being able to guess with almost invariable correctness what special type of man or woman was at his door provided he could hear the whole diapason of their knock from beginning to end when he was shut in his den however the sounds were muffled by distance and he could form no just judgment sometimes indeed he did not hear them at all especially if he happened to be playing his cello at the time so that this morning he was considerably startled when having finished his letter to the duchess de la sainte a long and persistent rat-tat-tatting echoed noisily through the house like the smart quick blows of a carpenter's hammer a species of knock that was entirely unfamiliar to him and that while so emphatic in character suggested to his mind neither friend nor foe he laid down his pen listened and waited in a minute or two his servant entered the room if you please sir a lady to see mr alwyn shall i show her up villiers rose slowly out of his chair and stood eyeing his man in blank bewilderment a lady to see mr alwyn he repeated his thoughts instantly reverting to his friend's vaguely hinted love affair what name she gives no name sir she says it isn't needed mr alwyn will know who she is mr alwyn will know who she is will he murmured villiers dubiously what is she like young and pretty over the man-servant's staid countenance came the glimmer of a demure respectful smile oh no sir not young sir a person about fifty i should say this was mystifying a person about fifty who could she be villiers hastily considered there must be some mistake he thought at any rate he would see the unknown intruder himself first and find out what her business was before breaking in upon alwyn's peaceful studies upstairs show the lady in here he said i can't disturb mr alwyn just now the servant retired and soon reappeared ushering in a tall gaunt black-robed female who walked with the stride of a dragoon and the demeanour of a police inspector and who merely nodding briskly in response to villiers's amazed bow selected with one comprehensive glance the most comfortable chair in the room and seated herself at ease therein she then put up her veil displaying a long narrow face cold pale arrogant eyes a nose inclined to redness at the tip and a thin close-set mouth lined with little sarcastic wrinkles which came into prominent and unbecoming play as soon as she began to speak which she did almost immediately i suppose i'd better introduce myself to you mr alwyn she said with a condescending and confident air 
though really we know each other so well by reputation that there seems scarcely any necessity for it of course you have heard of tiger lily villiers gazed at her helplessly he had never felt so uncomfortable in all his life here was a strange woman who had actually taken bodily possession of his apartment as though it were her own who had settled herself down in his particular pet louis quatorze chair who stared at him with the scrutinizing complacency of a professional physiognomist and who seemed to think no explanation of her extraordinary conduct was necessary inasmuch as of course he villiers had heard of tiger lily it was very singular almost like madness perhaps she was mad how could he tell she had a remarkably high knobby brow a brow with an unpleasantly bald appearance owing to the uncompromising way in which her hair was brushed well off it he had seen such brows before in certain spiritualists who believed or pretended to believe in the suddenly willed dematerialization of matter and they were mad he knew or else very foolishly feigning madness endeavouring to compose his bewildered mind he fixed glass in eye and regarded her through it with an inquiring solemnity he would have spoken but before he could utter a word she went on rapidly you are not in the least like the person i imagined you to be however that doesn't matter literary celebrities are always so different to what we expect pardon me madam began villiers politely you are making a slight error my servant probably did not explain i am not mr alwyn my name is villiers mr alwyn is my guest but he is at present very much occupied and unless your business is extremely urgent certainly it is urgent said the lady decisively otherwise i should not have come and so you are not mr alwyn well i thought you couldn't be now then will you have the kindness to tell mr alwyn i am here by this time villiers had recovered his customary self-possession and he met her commanding glance with a somewhat defiant coolness i am not aware to whom i have the honour of speaking he said frigidly perhaps you will oblige me with your name my name doesn't in the least matter she replied calmly though i will tell you afterward if you wish but you don't seem to understand i i am tiger lily the situation was becoming ludicrous villiers felt strongly disposed to laugh i'm afraid i'm very ignorant he said with a humorous sparkle in his blue eyes but really i am quite in the dark as to your meaning will you explain the lady's nose grew deeper of tint and the look she shot at him had quite a killing vindictiveness with evident difficulty she forced a smile oh you must have heard of me she declared with a ponderous attempt at playfulness you read the papers don't you some of them returned villiers cautiously not all not the sunday ones for instance still you can't possibly have helped seeing my descriptions of famous people at home you know i write for ever so many journals i think and she became complacently reflective i think i may say with perfect truth that i have interviewed everybody who has ever done anything worth noting from our biggest provision dealer to our latest sensational novelist and all my articles are signed tiger lily now do you remember oh you must remember i am so very well known there was a touch of genuine anxiety in her voice that was almost pathetic but villiers made no attempt to soothe her wounded vanity i have no recollection whatever of the name he said bluntly but that is easily accounted for as i never read newspaper descriptions of celebrities so you are an interviewer for the press exactly and the lady leaned back more comfortably in the louis quatorze fauteuil and of course i want to interview mr alwyn i want here drawing out a business-looking notebook from her pocket she opened it and glanced at the different headings therein enumerated 
i want to describe his personal appearance to know when he was born and where he was educated whether his father or mother had literary tastes whether he had or has brothers or sisters or both whether he is married or likely to be and how much money he has made by his book she paused and gave an upward glance at billius who returned it with a blank and stony stare then she resumed energetically i wish to know what are his methods of work where he gets his ideas and how he elaborates them how many hours he writes at a time and whether he is an early riser also what he usually takes for dinner whether he drinks wine or is a total abstainer and at what hour he retires to rest all this is so intensely interesting to the public perhaps he might be inclined to give me a few notes of his recent tour in the east and of course i should be very glad if he will state his opinions on the climate customs and governments of the countries through which he has passed it's a great pity this is not his own house it is a pretty place and a description of it would read well let me see and she meditated i think i could manage to insert a few lines about this apartment it would be easy to say the picturesque library in the house of the honourable francis villiers where mr alwyn received me etc yes that would do very well very well indeed i should like to know whether he has a residence of his own anywhere and if not whether he intends to take one in london because in the latter case it would be as well to ascertain by whom he intends to have it furnished a little discussion on upholstery is so especially fascinating to my readers then naturally i am desirous to learn how the erroneous rumour of his death was first started whether in the course of his travels he met with some serious accident or illness which gave rise to the report now and she shut her notebook and folded her hands i don't mind waiting an hour or more if necessary but i am sure if you will tell mr alwyn who i am and what i have come for he will be only too delighted to see me with as little delay as possible she ceased billiards drew a long breath his compressed lips parted in a slightly sarcastic smile squaring his shoulders with that peculiar pugnacious gesture of his which always indicated to those who knew him well that his mind was made up and that nothing would induce him to alter it he said in a tone of stiff civility i am sorry madam very sorry but i am compelled to inform you that your visit here is entirely useless were i to tell my friend of the purpose you have in view concerning him he would not feel so much flattered as you seem to imagine but rather insulted excuse my frankness you have spoken plainly i must speak plainly too provision dealers and sensational story writers may find that it serves their purpose to be interviewed if only as a means of gaining extra advertisement but a truly great and conscientious author like theos alwyn is quite above all that sort of thing the lady raised her pale eyebrows with an expression of interrogative scorn above all that sort of thing she echoed incredulously dear me how very extraordinary i've always found all our celebrities so exceedingly pleased to be given a little additional notoriety and i should have thought a poet this with much depreciative emphasis would have been particularly glad of the chance because of course you know that unless a very astonishing success is made as in the case of mr alwyn's newer halma people really take such slight interest in writers of verse that it is hardly ever worth while interviewing them precisely agreed villiers ironically the private history of a prize-fighter would naturally be much more thrilling he paused his temper was fast rising but quickly reflecting that after all the indignation he felt was not so much against his visitors against the system she represented he resumed quietly may i ask you madam whether you have ever interviewed her majesty the queen her glance swept slightingly over him certainly not such a thing would be impossible then you have never thought went on villiers with a thrill of earnestness in his manly vibrating voice that it might be quite as impossible to interview a great poet who if great indeed is in every way as royal as any sovereign that ever adorned a throne 
i do not speak of petty verse writers i say a great poet by which term i imply a great creative genius who is honestly faithful to his high vocation such an one could no more tell you his methods of work than a rainbow could prattle about the way it shines and as for his personal history i should like to know by what right society is entitled to pry into the sacred matters of a man's private life simply because he happens to be famous i consider the modern love of prying and probing into other people's affairs a most degrading and abominable sign of the times it is morbid unwholesome and utterly contemptible moreover i think that writers who consent to be interviewed condemn themselves as literary charlatans unworthy of the profession they have wrongfully adopted you see i have the courage of my opinions on this matter in fact i believe if every one were to speak their honest mind openly a better state of things might be the result and interviewing would gradually come to be considered in its true light namely as a vulgar and illegitimate method of advertisement i mean no disrespect to you madam this as the lady suddenly put down a veil thrust her notebook in her pocket and rose somewhat bouncingly from her chair i am only sorry you should find such an occupation as that of the interviewer open to you i can scarcely imagine such work to be congenial to a lady's feelings as in the case of really distinguished personages she must assuredly meet with many a rebuff i hope i have not offended you by my bluntness here he trailed off into inaudible polite murmurs while the tiger lily marched steadily toward the door oh dear no i am not in the least offended she retorted contemptuously on the contrary this has been a most amusing experience most amusing i assure you and quite unique why and suddenly stopping short she turned smartly round and gesticulated with one hand i have interviewed all the favourite actors and actresses in london the biggest brewers in great britain have received me at their country mansions and have given me all the particulars of their lives from earliest childhood the author of hugger mugger's curse took the greatest pains to explain to me how he first collected the materials for his design the author of that most popular story darling's twins gave me a description of all the houses he has ever lived in he even told me where he purchased his writing-paper pens and ink and to think that a poet should be too grand to be interrogated oh the idea is really very funny quite too funny for anything she gave a short laugh then relapsing into severity she added you will i hope tell mr alwyn i called billiards bowed assuredly thank you because it is possible he may have different opinions to yours in that case if he writes me a line fixing an appointment i shall be very pleased to call again i will leave my card and if mr alwyn is a sensible man he will certainly hold broader ideas on the subject of interviewing than you appear to entertain you are quite sure i cannot see him quite there was no mistake about the firm emphasis of this reply oh very well here she opened the door rattling the handle with rather an unnecessary violence i am sorry to have taken up any of your time mr villiers good morning good morning returned villiers calmly touching the bell that his servant might be in readiness to show her out but the baffled tiger lily was not altogether gone she looked back her face wrinkling into one of those strangely unbecoming expressions of grim playfulness i've half a mind to make an at home out of you she said nodding at him energetically only you're not important enough villiers burst out laughing he was not proof against this touch of humour and on a sudden good-natured impulse sprang to the door and shook hands with her no indeed i am not he said with a charming smile think of it i haven't even invented a new biscuit come let me see you into the hall i'm really sorry if i've spoken roughly but i assure you alwyn's not at all the sort of man you want for interviewing he's far too modest and noble-hearted believe me i'm not romancing a bit i'm in earnest there are some few fine manly gifted fellows left in the world who do their work for the love of the work alone 
and not for the sake of notoriety and he is one of them now i am not certain if you were quite candid with me you'd admit that you yourself don't think much of the people who actually like to be interviewed his amiable glance his kindly manner took the gaunt female by surprise and threw her quite off her guard she laughed a natural unforced laugh in which there was not a trace of bitterness he was really a delightful young man she thought in spite of his old-fashioned out-of-the-way notions well perhaps i don't she replied frankly but you see it is not my business to think about them at all i simply interview them and i generally find they are very willing and often eager to tell me all about themselves even to quite trifling and unnecessary details and of course each one thinks himself or herself the only or the chief celebrity in london or for that matter in the world i have always to tone down the egotistical part of it a little especially with authors for if i were to write out exactly what they separately say of their contemporaries it would be simply frightful they would be all at daggers drawn in no time i assure you interviewing is often a most delicate and difficult business would it were altogether impossible said villiers heartily but as long as there is a plethora of little authors and a scarcity of great ones so long i suppose must it continue for little men love notoriety and great ones shrink from it just in the same way that good women like flattery while bad ones court it i hope you don't bear me any grudge because i consider my friend alwyn both good and great and resent the idea of his being placed no matter with what excellent intention soever on the level of the small and mean the lady surveyed him with a twinkle of latent approval in her pale coloured eyes not in the least she replied in a tone of perfect good-humour on the contrary i rather admire your frankness still i think that as matters stand nowadays you are very odd and i suppose your friend is odd too but of course there must be exceptions to every rule at the same time you should recollect that in many people's opinion to be interviewed is one of the chiefest rewards of fame villiers shrugged his shoulders expressively oh yes it seems a poor reward to you no doubt she continued smilingly but there are no end of authors who would do anything to secure the notoriety of it now suppose that after all mr alwyn does care to submit to the operation you will let me know won't you certainly i will and villiers accepting her card on which was inscribed her own private name and address shook hands once more and bowed her courteously out no sooner had the door closed upon her than he sprang upstairs three steps at a time and broke impetuously in upon alwyn who seated at a table covered with papers looked up with a surprised smile at the abrupt fashion of his entrance in a few minutes he had disburdened himself of the whole story of the tiger lily's visit telling it in a whimsical way of his own much to the amusement of his friend who listened pen in hand with a half laughing half perplexed light in his fine poetic eyes now did i express the proper opinion he demanded in conclusion was i not right in thinking you would never consent to be interviewed right why of course you were responded alwyn quickly can you imagine me calmly stating the details of my personal life and history to a strange woman and allowing her to turn it into a half-guinea article for some society journal but villiers what an extraordinary state of things we are coming to if the press can actually condescend to employ a sort of spy or literary detective to inquire into the private experience of each man or woman who comes honourably to the front honourably or dishonourably it doesn't matter which said villiers that is just the worst of it one day it is an author who is interviewed the next it is a murderer now a statesman then a ballet dancer the same honours paid to all who have won any distinct notoriety and what is so absurd is that the reading million don't seem able to distinguish between notoriety and fame the two things are so widely utterly apart byron's reputation for instance was much more notoriety during his life than fame while keats had actually laid hold on fame while as yet deeming himself unfamous 
it's curious but true nevertheless that very often the writers who thought least of themselves during their lifetime have become the most universally renowned after their deaths shakespeare i dare say had no very exaggerated idea of the beauty of his own plays he seems to have written just the best that was in him without caring what anybody thought of it and i believe that is the only way to succeed in the end in the end repeated alwyn dreamily in the end no worldly success is worth attaining a few thousand years and the greatest are forgotten not the greatest said Villiers warmly the greatest must always be remembered no my friend not even the greatest do you not think there must have been great and wise and gifted men in tyre in sidon in carthage and babylon there are five men mentioned in scripture as being ready to write swiftly Surya, debria selimia Econus, and ariel there where is where is the no doubt admirable work done by these perhaps who knows one of them was as great as homer in genius we cannot tell true we cannot tell responded villiers meditatively but alwyn if you persist in viewing things through such tremendous vistas of time and in measuring the future by the past then one may ask what is the use of anything there is no use in anything except in the making of a strong persistent steady effort after good said alwyn earnestly we men are cast as it were between two swift currents wrong and right self and god and it seems more easy to shut our eyes and drift into self and wrong than to strike out brave arms and swim despite all difficulty toward god and right yet if we once take the latter course we shall find it the most natural and the least fatiguing and with every separate stroke of high endeavour we carry others with us we raise our race we bear it onward upward and the true reward or best result of fame is that having succeeded in winning brief attention from the multitude a man may be able to pronounce one of god's lightning messages of inspired truth plainly to them while they are yet willing to stand and listen this momentary hearing from the people is as i take it the sole reward any writer can dare to hope for and when he obtains it he should remember that his audience remains with him but a very short while so that it is his duty to see that he employ his chance well not to win applause for himself but to cheer and lift others to noble thought and still more noble fulfilment villiers regarded him wistfully almond my dear fellow do you want to be the sisyphus of this era you will find the stone of evil heavy to roll upward moreover it will exhibit the usually painful tendency to slip back and crush you how can it crush me asked his friend with a serene smile my heart cannot be broken or my spirit dismayed and as for my body it can but die and death comes to every man i would rather try to roll up the stone however fruitless the task than sit idly looking at it and doing nothing your heart cannot be broken ah how do you know and villiers shook his head dubiously what man can be certain of his own destiny every man can will his own destiny returned alwyn firmly that is just it but here we are getting into a serious discussion and i had determined to talk no more on such subjects till to-night and to-night we are to go in for them thoroughly i suppose inquired villiers with a quick look to-night my dear boy you will have to decide whether you consider me mad or sane said alwyn cheerfully i shall tell you truths that seem like romances and facts that sound like fables moreover i shall have to assure you that miracles do happen whenever god chooses in spite of all human denial of their possibility you remember waitley's clever skit historical doubts of napoleon the first showing how easy it was to logically prove that napoleon never existed that ought to enlighten people as to the very precise and convincing manner in which we can if we choose argue away what is nevertheless an incontestable fact thus do sceptics deny miracles yet we live surrounded by miracles do you think me crazed for saying so villiers laughed crazed no indeed i wish every man in london were as sane and sound as you are 
ah but wait till to-night and alwyn's eyes sparkle mirthfully perhaps you will alter your opinion then here collecting his scattered manuscripts he put them by i've done work for the present he said shall we go for a walk somewhere Villiers assented and they left the room together End of chapter thirty four